Hello everyone, welcome back to Daf Shavua as we study the incredible Daf, Lamed Vav Meseches Ksuvos. There are so many issues to discuss in this Daf. I'm going to actually work a little bit backwards with the Motzi Shemra case. It connects a little bit to a shear that I gave over the Chag, over Shavuos. It actually uh, relates to the Torah reading of the first day, sorry, of the second day. Aser to Aser. Hopefully, we'll also get to cover some issues of One Sumafate, but we may uh, get to that next time. And we also have a very key Hilchos Nidashayla that's, uh, we can make it very relevant discussing uh, the first night of marriage or the first Bia between a husband and a wife, and possibly uh, what's referred to as Dam Basulim as opposed to Dam Nida. Now, I'm going to start with a Chashuke Chemet, which I usually just use as a bonus, but we're going to get into a fascinating Chashuke Chemet. In our uh, Tefillah year, on Wednesday morning, we've been discussing Elokainetzar Lashoni Meira. Obviously, that includes Lashon Hara, but we pointed out from the Gemara Mesech's Brachos, according to Revel Yashiv, that there's a special focus on something called Avak Lashon Hara. Avak Lashon Hara is something... That's not explicitly Lashon Hara, but more or less the way I'd explain it is it leads to a discussion that is uh, going to be of Lashon Hara. It's not as obvious as the Lifne Iver Sitein, Michshol type of case, but it's a low-hanging fruit. You compliment someone in front of an enemy. You don't say, according to the Chavetz Chaim, that it's uh, Lifne Iver because the person should be able to restrain themselves, the enemy, but at the end of the day... He's likely he won't. So it's called avak lashon hara, which is like a spark or a trace of lashon hara. The reason I mention this over here, and this is going to connect beautifully with uh, hilchos sedaka, that was a focus of one of the shiurim that we gave over shavuos, where we were discussing, according to Rashi, the real problem with Elimelech leaving Beit Lechem was not an issue of leaving Eretz Yisrael because at, at a time of a famine, you could leave Eretz Yisrael. There were two other issues. One, according to the Medrash Zuta, and this I saw beautifully explained by Rav Druk, was because he disappointed the people. That in itself would be something to be punished for. He lost faith in the Jewish people. Sorry, the, according to the Medrash Zuta, is that he gave up on the Jewish people. He assumed that these people were shefet shoftim, as the pastor tells us. They judged judges, and therefore were no longer uh, fit to be led. So Elimelech basically says, I'm quitting. I'm going out of the business of being a parnes, a leader of the Jewish community, and I'm going to go into the private sector. But then we have Rashi, who brings down, based on the Medrash Rabbah, that the issue is a little bit different. The issue was that that the people were looking at Elimelech. They assumed that if a famine would come, Elimelech would support them. So because of the pain that they experienced in their expectation and his expectation that they would come along as Mishulachim who would harass him, even though it hadn't yet happened the way the Medrash explains, but that was the expectation on both sides, Elimelech ends up getting punished, 
And the sad irony, of course, is that Elimelech is the one who loses everything. And the Bnei Israel, the Jewish people, are able to rebound as we see what happens when Ami and Rus come back. Now, what does that possibly have to do with our daf? So generally, there's, there's within Hilchus Hedakah two very important halachos. Keep this in general terms. One is we're supposed to give meiser. Whether it's a halacha, whether it's a minhag, the rice, the rabbanon, we're not going to get into now, but it's clearly minhag yisrael at the minimum to give 10%, and really we should give 20% if we're more than just baining them. It's always better if you're collecting money to start with the 20% approach. Then you go down to the 10% approach. But that's not really for the collection of money knocking on a door. That's generally what a person is responsible to give. But let's say it comes and it's a few days before Rosh Hashanah. You've already given your Misa or you've already given your uh, 20% and an Ani knocks on the door. And you assume as a person has a Cheskus Kashrus that he's a legitimate Ani. And you still have to give the person because that's what we call giving upon confrontation. You can't say that your Misa money is set aside and you already gave it. That's not the Ani's problem. Right. The bottom line is, now, how much you have to give, that's a whole separate discussion. Now, let's say a person sets aside a certain amount of money. They keep it in their top drawer, and they say, listen, I'm going to use this as part of my MISA, and I'm going to simultaneously use it for anyone who knocks on the door, and I'll make a very obvious calculation, a clear calculation, and if by the time it gets to the end of the year, let's say it comes to Rosh Hashanah, I haven't achieved Misa, I haven't achieved 20%. Is that then considered part of Misa? Very interesting discussion, which I'm not going to solve right now. But you could argue, there, there are those views that are going to say yes. It's a, it's a Shiloh that we're going to put aside for now, but it's something to keep in mind. Now, how does that deal with our daf? So I want to show you that just really the brilliance of the Chashuk Echemed, Rav Zilberstein, how he deals with the Shiloh. You have the case of Motsi Shemra, the classic case of Motsi Shemra, which you have in our Gemara on the second daf, is a person says about his uh, wife, I found her to not be a basula, and I'm assuming the reason she's not a basula is because she was a... Um, Mizana, she had relations with someone else while she was married to me. Now, there's no proof in this situation. And then we have a whole question and investigation. It actually relates to this week's partial with the Sota as well. Now, what you find on this daf that this taina obviously has certain limitations on it just because he's making a taina. You could say that about any woman, especially if we're dealing with a situation where she's uh, in a Bogera situation, which does seem to be the conclusion of our Gemara, that the only time we're ever going to be able to have a Kanas is a situation where she is a Nara. That's the name of our parak, Elo Naros. But either way, you get into a situation where the man, he, he puts out this uh, mess word about his wife. And then it's up to the Besden to either corroborate it or not to corroborate it. So we'll go a little bit further in the Gemara 
which we're not going to get to today, and we're going to kind of finesse and, and limit what exactly Motsi Shemra is. The way it comes across in our Gemara, after a very uh, important kasha from Rapapa, is we're dealing with a situation where there's a woman who tried to solicit two men for pritzos, and the men then turned her away. They refused. But they come, let's say, in front of Bezda as corroboration to what the man said. There's no proof in this situation that the woman was necessarily a ba'ula. There's no clear 100%. You're not going to be able to kill this woman, you know, like you have in the site in this week's parasha. But the assumption is, is that, or at least the rumor gets solidified, if she is a type of woman that found two people and solicited two people, then she probably solicited someone else as well. And you're going to find someone in the community that would say yes to her. Now, this raises a very fascinating and disturbing question. Are we really assuming that you have within our community people like that, that would say yes? Kamara makes a statement in Baba Basra, Daf Kuf Aleph, getting towards the end of Baba Basra, Amar of Yehud Amarav, Rov Begezel, the majority of the people are with Gezel, Umiyad Barayas. Umiyad means less than a rov, at least on a simple level. Could also mean very few. The assumption in our Gemara is as long as you have a miyot, which means a minimal percentage that are involved in Arayas, you're going to find someone else who's going to, uh, this woman would have found someone else who she would solicit and would actually say yes. Now again, the Gemara Baba Bastra says with Dine Mominus, Rov Begezel. And it's kind of interesting because in our Gemara, we don't assume that there's going to be two other people that are going to forge so we would need a little bit more of analysis in Baba Basra. Is this a statement in general about Dine Mominus or specifically in Gezel? From Argamar, it sounds like specifically when it comes to Gezela as opposed to forgery. Tsarachion. Now the Gemara ends in Baba Basra, so this is going to be my beautiful, uh, a beautiful link. Everyone speaks Lashon Hara. Now the Gemara there says, Lashon Hara Does everyone really speak Lashon Hara? I think the assumption here is as the Rambam assumes, we're not talking about Lashon Hara occasionally. There you probably would say, Hakob Lashon Hara. Ella Avak Lashon Hara. But either way, in the Lashon Hara Sugya that has a connection to our Daf, I said it was on the second Daf, it's on the second Amud, of course. Daf is Amad Aleph and Amad Beis. So you have this Chashuke Chemed. So we use the term, and that's why I'm spending some time on this, because we're going to de- be dealing with Yotzeh Mishemra further on in this Gemara, in our Gemara Masech Subas. We generally, when you use the term just colloquially as uh, Motzi Shemra, Again, shamra is not one word. It's really two words. Motzi, person who takes out a shamra, a bad name. You're spreading rumors about someone. We very often break Lashon Hara into three categories. Lashon Hara, which means you slander someone. Rechilas, which is a separate category of Lashon Hara. You say to someone, you know, so-and-so said this about you. And then you have Motzi Shemra. You spread rumors. 
But mochi shemra, as it's used in the Gemara, here in Maseches Ksuvos, is talking about a specific type of rumor being spread. And it's not necessarily a negative, right? It's only a negative if you end up, uh, it was a false thing. That's usually how we use mochi shemra. But you have to keep in mind, if it ends up being true, then it's Lashon Hara. If it's, because according to American law, right, for example, if you spread a rumor about someone and it's true, then truth is a total defense. Baruch Hashem, in our system, it's not a defense, right? But if, you, if you're lying about it, then we typically call it as Moshe Shemra. Honestly, is Lashon Hara. But the term that's used in Masech Suvis is the case or cases similar that what I gave that I gave you is talking about spreading rumors about a woman, or that already, as our Gemara concludes, a shame route went out about this woman, and we're trying to um, match it up with what the husband is saying, or the husband is saying out of uh, sending out a bad name about his wife, at least to a bezdin, and then the bezdin is going to have to confirm. So. To a certain extent, as I pointed out before, we're going to go into the Gemara and the whole sugya of Moti Shemra throughout Mesech Suvos, and it's going to have somewhat of a, a more limited definition. But either way, what the Chashuk Echemet does is, uh, and it's why it's a really beautiful sefer, Chashuk Echemet says, listen, when most people see this Gemara of Moti Shemra, they're not thinking only about Mesech Suvos. They're thinking about Moti Shemra as far as Lashon Hara, in that general category. So he ends up, as I'm about to show you, bringing in a case of Motsi Shemra relating to Tzedakah. That's how we go full circle to what we started with. And then uses our Gemara as a proof text to establish a halacha. I want to tell you right away what the Chashuk Echemet says. The Chashuk Echemet says that if there's only a rumor, the Ani still has a cheskus kashrus, which means if you go back to our Gemara, and he ends up quoting our Gemara because the Chavetz Chaim in Hilchos Lashon Hara, Klal Vav, this is the first sefer the Chavetz Chaim wrote on Lashon Hara. I think it was his first sefer even before Shmir Salashon. In Klal Vav, you look at uh, Sifim. Yud and Yud Aleph, or Os Yud and Yud Aleph, how I think it's referred to in the Sefer Chavetz Chaim. So he, in his parish, on his Sefer, see the Chavetz Chaim wrote a parish on his own Hilchus Chavetz Chaim that's called the Ber Mayim Chaim. So in the Ber Mayim Chaim, the Chavetz Chaim quotes from our Gemara. And he says, it's only once we have a real suffolk, this is in uh, Klal Vav Sifkatan Chafei, it's only when we have a um, <clears throat> real suffolk, which is an Aragamara, that we would assume that the woman, or at least we would listen to the rumor. And the Chavetz Chaim points out that there's a difference between a Chashash Ba'alma and a suffolk. Now it's fascinating because he quotes the Marshal where the marshal says that even a suffix is not enough. So you have to, to knock out the cheskas kashrus of someone. So you'd have to say that in our case, it's like karav levadai. 
as opposed to a suffix. So you'd actually have three different categories, four categories. You'd have a vadai, a karvel vadai, a suffix, and a chashash ba'alma. Because remember, in a regular situation, let's say in our case, go back to our Gemara, a woman is raped. And this was a woman who ends up, there was a rumor about her from a Lashon Hara, Ones would still be the case, right? There would still have to be uh, an Ones. There, there would still have to be um, a Kanas paid. But without getting into the technicalities of matching it up exactly with our Gemara, as the Chavetz Chaim does, the Chavetz Chaim says, if you just have the husband establishing uh, the rumor, you don't have those two witnesses who are solicited, then the woman has her cheskes uh, kashras, and so too would be with the ani. So it's really interesting. You know, there's a, I don't know if this is actually true, but there's a famous quote I've heard that in the 18th century, a group of Rabbanim felt that they had to create an international registry for Meshulachim in order to keep out the riffraff. So the Vilna Gon was asked his opinion, and he said there's a good uh, precedent for this in the Torah from Sodom and Amorah, and the idea was actually uh, pushed away. Now, it doesn't mean today that we shouldn't have a Tudas Heksher that we have, you know, not just on food, but on people as well, on the Aniyim. But it's complicated. There's a, there's, a lot you lo- there's a lot you gain, but you also lose a lot from Mido's perspective, being too careful. Um, now, the Chavetz Chaim points out as well that you're allowed to hear Lashon Hara. This is really how the Chavetz Chaim got into the discussion if you're concerned that the person is going to end up hurting you. You see, there's a criticism. Masiyas Yisharim talks about this in uh, Perak Chaf, very important Perak of Masiyas Yisharim, that the story of Gedalia ben Achikam, Gedalia did not listen he couldn't imagine that Yishma was actually willing to assassinate him, that a Jew would kill another Jew. So therefore, it's a little bit of a chassid shaita, with all due respect. You know, I want to give respect to the great Gedalia, but it's foolish if, if you hear somebody's going to hurt you. So the Chavetz Chaim quotes this, and he says, yeah, but it's still only out of chashash. So you have to keep it in your head, assuming that you could uh, do so, right? You keep it in your head, you keep it in your heart, you should be aware, and that would be true with an honey that comes to your door as well. But that wouldn't be... So if he's going to bankrupt you, you don't have to give him so much money. But I think a minimal amount would still be required. And that's why, in general, even if somebody doesn't have a tuda, I tell him to give a dollar to the person. Just It's a chashash daraisa, right? That's what we read the first day. Sorry, on the second day. Shabbos Shavuos, the person puts out his hand, you have to give him, as opposed to just slamming the door on his face. So that's what the chashash ba'alma. You still assume there's a cheskes kashras, but there's still a suspicion that stands. Now we're going to run out of time, so I want to just flip to at least include one thing on this daf that's very important. The halachos are spelled out in the Shulchan Yardea, in the halachos of uh, Nida, in uh, Kuf Tzadi Gimel. We assume the first night that a uh, man has relations with his wife that the woman becomes Anida, unless her uh, basulam, her hymen, has definitely been removed. Now, this is not, according to our Gemara, considered to be Damnida. 
because it's dam basulam, right? It's, the blood's coming from the hymen, so you'd wonder why is it that we're strict about these halachas. So the assumption is that it's really a dirabbanon. There's a very famous tshuva, well, it'll be famous now that we say it, in the Rashba. The Rashba was very important uh, when it comes to Hilchos Nidan and so many other areas as well, but there's a tshuva of the Rashba in um, Chelek Zayin. The Rashba had a lot of tshuvas, Kuf Samachalif. He was the Gadadar of Spanish Jewry and way beyond, great Talmud of the Ramban. So the Rashba says that there's a, I'm, I'm bottom lining it, that there's a concern then maybe the Dam Pesulim get mixed up with the Dam Nida. So some Dam Nida, it's a Suffolk, come out as well. We're dealing over here with a Suffolk Daraisa. Again, it's a Drabanan Halacha, but we're concerned because Nida, Dam Pesulim, a, a Dam Nida would be a Daraisa, so we have this special concern. The Rashba is a special safer on these Halachas of Hilchas Nida called Taras Abayas. So on Daf Hey, Amin Beis, he discusses this as well. But he does say there straight out that it's a uh, dirabanan. And there are other approaches as well. This goes so far that the assumption is, and this is what the Rashbah says as well in Tara Sabayas, that even if she doesn't see any dam, okay, we're assuming it's a, a woman who has a hymen, if she doesn't see any blood, we assume that the blood was uh, either lost, covered up by the male, and that's the approach of the Rashba. Again, if you just read this Gemara, it makes it sound, that's why I'm, I have to mention it, it would make it sound like there's no concern of Dam Basulim. That's on a Daraisa level. On a Darabana level, there is a concern. Okay, there's so much more to cover, and hopefully we'll get to, uh, I wouldn't say the rest of it, but as much as possible in uh, future Shiurim. Have a great week of learning.